Okay, so anyway, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you. We just have a little connect card. If, you, if you've never filled one of those out before um, and you are new here and this is you know, something that, that, uh, that you would love to do, we'd love to connect with you and then you just fill that out. And we'll, uh, I promise not to send you a bunch of weird mailers or anything like that. Just a, a little note that tells you a little more about us and, uh, and you know, give you my phone number. And if you have questions or anything you want to call me. I, I don't do windows and I can't do card work. So don't call me for those things. So, but no, I'm just joking. Um, hey, we, my wife and I and the kids, we went on vacation this year, which was really great and much needed. It wasn't long enough, um, but it was good. And uh, we went up to Oregon, and there was this chocolate place up there. Um, and he, I don't know if you guys are big fans of candy like me. I, I love chocolate and candy and everything else. And they had this really interesting fudge. It was cheddar cheese fudge. Sounds horrible, I know. And it was like bright orange yellow. Okay? So you look at it and you're like, what in tarnation is that? It was amazing. I, I, I tried it. I, I, I built up confidence and I tried it. It was actually, it tasted like cheese puff slash candy corn. I know. But it was cheddar cheese. And it was so good. And they said, that's actually our number one seller. And um, I didn't want to know what was in it. You know, so it's, it's like the, it's like knowing how to make sausage. You really don't want to know. You just you eat it. You know, it's good, but you just don't want to know how they make it. Um, so anyway, but it was good. And so, but what was really cool about this place is they had as many. It was like the, a Costco where you can go in and just get as many uh, um, uh, trials as you want, as many like little samples, you know. And so every fudge, every candy had a little basket next to it, and nobody's like a one only. No, you can have as many as you want. And I did. I did, darn it. I'm proud of that. Um, and it was, it, we just were, we must have been there for 30 minutes. So I had to buy something. So we ended up buying something. But we were just eating fudge like crazy. It was really good. And then over in the corner, I noticed my girls were over there. I'm like, what are, you, what are they doing over there? There was a mirror in there. And I'm like, why are you putting a mirror in a candy shop? And, and it was interesting because the mirror, when you walk up to it, you knew something was wrong already. Because you walk up to it and you're like, oh, man, I look really good. Oh, this must be a fake mirror. This must be a trick mirror. And it was actually one of those mirrors that made you look 20 pounds lighter. You know, it was, and it said next to it, keep eating candy, you look great. You know, it was, I thought, oh, that's, you know, if I was British, I would have said, that's cheeky, you know. So, it, it, but it was cool because it was, you know, and, and my kids were laughing and we were looking at it. And we knew it was a trick mirror. Anybody ever seen one of those? You know, you've been in a, and you, you know, it, it, it's not like you walk up to it and go, oh man, I really, no, we knew it was a trick. We knew it was not real. Um, but, you know, there, 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 are, uh, there are times in life, though, where, figuratively speaking, we, we look into mirrors, we, we can get fooled, our senses can be fooled, um, we can't trust what we see in front of us, and, and, and we can be deceived, we can be deceived. Um, I think that's why I like illusions so much, and magicians, anybody with me on that? I, I, I don't know, they, they continue to like amaze me. We started watching this show... Um, uh, I can't remember. Oh man, all of a sudden I can't remember the name of it. But it, it's the one where they, it's like a big talent show. America's Got Talent, I think it's called. Yeah. And the, when the magicians or illusionists come on, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe they do that. You know, it's like, how do they not die? You know, or how do they, but they're tricking us, right? We know it's not real. We know there's no, there, there's no wand, there's no magic words, and there's real magic. We know it's fake. But we get deceived, don't we? We get tricked. Um, I, one of my favorite guys, by the way, on this, 
because he's just a, a he's just out there. He he actually got the world's record for holding his breath the longest. I think he held it for over 15 minutes, 16 minutes. He held his breath because he's just that way. He's just wild. If he's like, if it's something I think I want to do, I'm going to do it. His name's David Blaine. And uh, so what I do is I have this clip because I just want you to be deceived for a second. Okay, is that all right? Is that good? Okay, let's let's go ahead and watch this really quick. I think it's awesome. Think of any card in the deck. Great. Um, hold the deck. You're thinking of a card? Do I know what card you're thinking of? Your card just left the deck just now. Look through the deck. Your card isn't there. Go ahead. Look. Yeah. It's not there. You won't see it there. No. It's nowhere. Here's what we'll do. Harrison, do me a favor. Grab a grab a piece of grab a piece of fruit for me, like a one that we can open up. Yeah, grab a piece of fruit. Good, whatever. And is there? Can we can we cut this? Can we can we take a knife and put it right there? Yeah, yeah. Can put it right here. Say your card out loud. Nine of hearts. Nine of hearts. Yeah. Can you turn this sideways? Sideways? Yeah, so I can cut right through it. Let me not hit your hand. Let's do... Hold. Yeah. See, inside. See, there's... See how there's a card in the orange? No way. See how there's one card inside? Please remove it. Take it out. Go ahead, pull it out. Open it up, Harrison. No, no, that's just great. Yeah, I love that look, right? This is just doesn't that explain it? I mean, how do you do that? Now, now there are people in this world that are like, oh, I know exactly what he did, because obviously we 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 suspend belief a little bit when we get deceived like that. But we know in reality he's not actually doing magic, right? He doesn't have a wand, you know, he didn't go to Hogwarts. You know, there's not, it's, this is not something that's, that, that, that we really struggle with unless you're under eight years old, right? Um, but but it's, it's like, what happened? And I think that's why we like magic to some extent. Why we like that, that, that illusionist or, or whatever, because it really challenges us. It challenges, it pushes us to a place where we're like, how do they do that? And see, the interesting thing is when you listen to an illusionist or you listen to a magician, you listen to these people that make a living doing this, they're like, you're actually really easy to fool. The the truth is, like human beings, we're, we're very easy to be fooled and deceived. We are. We just are. In fact, if you're taking notes, one of the things I would say to you is, in this is the truth is human beings are easily deceived. They're easily deceived. We just are. Um, you know, magicians and illusionists, they base their whole careers on the fact of this. And, and think about it. It goes past putting a, a card in an orange. But many of us have bought into the promises that, that this one thing or that product will, will truly make us happy or that this person or relationship will, will, will complete me 
or that this candidate will truly fight for me. (laughs) The sad thing is that our deceiver, there is a deceiver in this world who has been hard at work trying to kill, steal, and destroy your life and your joy and everything in between. And he's done this since creation. I mean, does God really care about you? Does your life really matter? Does God even exist? All you really need is more success. You can't trust God to really take care of you. It's, it's all on your shoulders. Just one more fix. That's all you need. That'll make the difference this time. If you just get a divorce, then you would truly be happy. You see, it doesn't stop, does it? And, and, and how many people, I can't even begin to tell you how many people are easily deceived by such deceptive and wicked statements. I'm being one of them. I've fallen for these things. I'm guilty. Because the truth is we all fall for his deception, which causes us to miss the truth of God and the plan that God has for us, the promises that he has for us. This is what we're going to look at in Joshua chapter 9 as we've been going through this this whole series of fearless, how to live the fearless life. We've really been focusing at, you know, to live a fearless life. It's not actually that, that tricky. What it comes down to is trusting in the person of God and the plan of God. Ultimately, to be in a fearless state, in a state where, where, where we cannot be harmed, you know, by, by the news of the day, by the economy crashing, by the, by the things. And yes, it, it still can affect us, but it truly doesn't breed the fear that most people have if we have the person of God in our life and the plan of God in our life. So this is what we've been looking at, but the Israelites experienced this in a big way. They experienced this deception, this illusion, and they're tricked. In Joshua chapter 9. So how, what we're going to learn today, and this is a vital lesson in the fearless life, and what I would point you to is our take-home truth, which is at the top of your notes. It's real simple. Fearless living means we recognize our freedom in Christ who saved us from the curse of sin and death. Fearless living means we recognize our freedom in Christ who saved us from the curse of sin and death. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to read Joshua chapter 9. We're going to read that whole chunk right here. So if you can do me a favor and stand on up. We just stand at the mission here in the reading of God's Word because God's Word is not like any other text. We really believe that it's the Word of God and so we just want to give it that reverence and that respect. And if you can't stand, that's understandable. We don't want to force you. So let's go ahead and read that now. Now, now when all the kings went out of Jordan, heard about of these, these things, or the west of Jordan, heard about these things, the kings in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far as Lebanon, now these are the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, Jebusites, every other ites you can think of, all right? They came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I. Because remember, they had just taken Jericho, they had destroyed I. I mean, they're coming in and they're just, they are wiping out. They are wiping out and they're just on fire when it comes to taking the promised land. Verse 4, they resorted to deception. Now it says they planned a ruse, but the real word there is just this deception. So they went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks and old wineskins cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes and all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. You see what's going on here? Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgah and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country. We're tired. Oh, such a long journey. 
Make a treaty with us. Now, verse 7, the Israelites said to the Hivites, or the Gibeonites, you know, they're basically the same Hivites here, but perhaps you live near us. So how can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you and where did you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt and all he did to the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Astaroth. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread of ours, see, it was warm when we left. Mm-hmm. Sure it was, right? These wineskins, but now it's dry and moldy. And these wineskins that were filled were new, but now see how they're cracked? And our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. And the Israelites sampled their provisions. Interesting, huh? But here's the key word. But did not inquire of the Lord. Verse 15. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out on the third day and came to the cities of Gibeon, Kephirah, Bereth, and Kiriam. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly. So all the Israelites, they're grumbling now. They grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them, they continued. Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leader's promise to them was kept. Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, Why did you deceive us by saying we live a long way from you while actually you live near us? You are now under a curse. You will never be released from service as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, Your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you. And this is why we did this. We are now in your hands. Take Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites and did not kill them. That day he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place of the Lord would choose. And this is what they are to this day. Okay, you may be seated. Long passage there. Thank you for bearing the whole chapter. But there's a lot of good stuff in here that I really want to break down. And it all comes down to that idea of deception. Um. And in, in verse 3, we have, however, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to deception. Um, what, what I would say, what would break that down is really simple. Many dis- decent people will fall to deception in seeking safety. Many decent people will fall to deception in seeking safety. Now, I, I don't think the, the Gibeonites were quote-unquote decent people, <laughs> um, but, but here we see them looking at their future and it's rather bleak. Okay, they see this impending army coming and they're like, we're all going to die like Jericho. And I mean, this is crazy. And so, because um, let's be honest, the waters have parted for them. They're hearing these stories. I mean, there's some crazy miracles after miracles that have happened. I mean, Egypt, which is the world power of the day. I mean, it's, it's like the top. You know, we, we brag as Americans, oh yeah, America, you know, we're the top because we're the world power. Well, Egypt was the world power of the day at that time. And they had toppled Egypt. The slaves, the slaves had toppled Egypt. It was unheard of. 
And so here they're like at their back door. And the Gibeonites are actually just a, just a couple, like 20-something miles from Jerusalem. They're very close. And so they're looking around going, we're going to die. They're coming right at us. So they resort to deception. They develop a ruse. You see? See, in the Hebrew, this, this word is orma. Okay? It's an interesting word. I mean, it literally means to trick and deceive willfully. It's this idea of, okay, I know I'm not going to get this, so I'm going I'm to do this to protect myself. See, they use this to protect themselves. Where, as we read before with Rahab, who the, 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 the prostitute, she has deception as well, but, but she trusts in the Lord with her life. Whereas the Gibeonites trust in their deception to save their life. There's a difference here. And, and they resort to this to be safe. They, they trick to save their own skin. They cheated and lied their way to safety, which is never as sure and solid as honesty before God. But this is typically the case. I mean, let's take out the 1% of psychopaths and, um, and liars in the world. The, 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 you know, the um, compulsive liars. That's about 0.1%. I think they say or 1%. You have these compulsive liars, the, the, the narcissistic, who will just lie no matter what. And there's something psychologically wrong with them. All right? But you have the other 99%, which is like you and me. The normal, average people, right? They're just regular people that, that, that do this. Because even decent people will, tr- will rely on deception and seeking safety. Uh, let me just point to some people in the Bible here. I mean, let's look at Jacob and Rebecca. Now, Jacob is Rebecca's son, and she has two sons. She has uh, Esau and Jacob. Well, Rebecca really liked Jacob more than Esau. And so she wants her favorite son to get the blessing, because it was all about the blessing, right? And if you get the blessing, then you're really safe. You're really secure. Because if you get the blessing from dad, my husband, then you're gonna be, you're gonna be set. And I want you to be set because I'm scared for you. So she goes to Jacob and they, they develop a ruse, a deception. And they trick Isaac into getting the blessing. So Esau doesn't get it. But see, then we fast forward a little bit and we say we have Jacob being deceived by his father-in-law. Who, who is afraid he'll never get rid of Leah, his oldest daughter, who it says was not pleasing to the eyes. You know, here, here's, a, here's a dad in the day going, I, I'm going to have to take care of this daughter of mine forever. I, I know it sounds horrible, but you know. I mean, me, I might tell my girls, I'm like, I want you to stay here forever. Get married at like 43, you know, that's fine. But, but no, I mean, it was, it was different back then, all right? So, you know, he's like, I'm never going to get rid of her. And so he's scared. And he's like, what am I going to do? And so he devises this plot. And this is the other thing. Jacob, since he's been working at Laban's ranch, Jacob's profits have gone way, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, um, Laban's profits have gone way up. Because Jacob is blessed by the Lord. And so Laban's looking at this like, man, he's going to work for me for seven years and I have to give him Rachel and he's going to be gone. And I'll lose my financial security. So he devises deception to stay safe financially and to get rid of Leah. And, he, and, and Laban ends up getting another seven full years because of that deception of free labor and gets rid of Leah. King David seeks to save his own skin by putting the husband of Bathsheba back in the war and tells his other fellow generals around 
Bathsheba's husband to back up when the fighting gets the roughest so that Bathsheba's husband is all by himself at the front lines and he gets cut down and killed because David didn't want his adultery to Bathsheba to come to light. So he's like, I can kill the husband because Bathsheba was pregnant. Um, You see, he... David was a man after God's own heart, it says. But he resulted to deception because he was seeking safety. Many decent people will fall to deception because they are afraid and seeking safety. If I, if I don't lie to my boss about what I really was doing last week when I took those days off and called in sick, then I'll lose my job, you see. If I don't lie to my teacher about not cheating on my test or my paper, then I will fail and I'll be expelled and my life will be ruined and everything will be over. If I don't lie and try to deceive the bank, they will know that I falsified the records and will lose the business and people will be out of work and we will lose the house and ultimately our lives will be forfeit. And, and if I don't lie to my family about what I really did, then I will lose them and I just can't bear to lose my family because it will kill me. See, decent people will fall to deception as they seek safety every time. I've been there. And I'm pretty sure you have to. So here we have the Gibeonites. And they fall for the same thing. Instead of seeking ultimate safety in a savior like Rahab did, into into God, they they seek safety through deception. I guess my question is, where where have you justified deception in your own life? Has, Has it crept in under the cover of false safety and security? Because I guarantee it will eventually fail and you will never be able to live a fearless life. Fear really comes from when we seek safety in deception. Secondly, many people will fall to deception as they trust in their senses over their Savior. See, they send this delegation, right? And they're, they're shrewd, man. These guys are shrewd. They thought of everything, right? The, the delegation, the donkeys are all worn out. They put moldy bread in there. They're like, they look disheveled and, and like they've gone for a long time. The Israelites are fooled because they only resort to their senses instead of talking and seeking their sa- talking to and seeking their savior. See, many of us get this way. Anybody ever been snookered? <laughs> it just it looks so good. Did you kick the tires? I kicked the tires, right? <laughs> I, I popped the hood. I looked at the engine. It looked good. I knew a guy that sold a Jaguar once. Real nice Jaguar. Oh my gosh. He had black spray paint he sprayed the seats with. I mean, you name it, he was putting it together with Bondo and duct tape, and when he sold that thing, it looked cherry. Probably only took a week when those people were driving it to go, what the heck? One of my favorite movies way back in the day was The Money Pit. (laughs) And some of you know that movie, you know? I can't even remember the, the, the actors right now. It's like Michael Douglas, or I can't remember, Kurt Douglas, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, or Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, and anyway, and they buy this, what looks to be an amazing house, because they trust their senses. I mean, look at it. It smells great. It looks great. I see it. I mean, everything, you name it. I don't hear any creaks. I don't hear any groans. They buy this place, and before they know it, it's falling apart. And they sink more money into it than they ever did. And their marriage is on the ropes. And they're about ready to divorce. I mean, you name it. It's like because of this stupid house. But that's the way. When we trust our senses over our Savior, we're going to be deceived. One of the most interesting studies I heard recently 
Because if you don't believe me that your senses can be tricked so easily, this was a great study they did. This was a um, sociological study that they've done over and over, and it's been proven over and over. They, they, they found that if, um, if you have... Okay, let me just read it here. An experiment conducted at the University of Colorado Boulder, published in the journal Science, found that participant, participants who briefly held a cup of hot versus iced coffee, or a hot drink as opposed to a cold drink, judged a target person as having a warmer personality, being more generous and caring. They had a better first impression by a factor of a lot just because they held a hot cup of coffee or something warm. I know some of your faces are like, what? Yeah. They've actually proven this. In other studies, it was shown that people who were interviewed for a job over hot drinks as opposed to cold were a lot more likely to be hired and liked by the panel who was interviewing them than when they were drinking cold drinks. It's wild. Because your senses are so easily fooled. I mean, how many bad people have you hired because you were drinking coffee at the time? That's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. And by the way, you think advertisers don't know this now? Guarantee you, when you go, they're going to try to give you a warm drink when you buy a car. They should. Because you're a lot more likely to like the guy that's selling you the car and go, you know what, I'm going to do this for you, Fred. I'm going to buy this car. This is good coffee. You know, I mean, because your senses are fooled over something as stupid as holding a hot cup of something. But that's the truth. You see, we need the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 3. I love Proverbs chapter 3 because it's so simple, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own senses. An understanding, but senses are pretty much the same thing. Your own, who you are, and your five senses. But in all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Don't, don't trust your senses. Trust the Savior. See, the, the psalmist knew that your senses can be deceived. I mean, how many people did he hire? <laughs> that were horrible workers because he had a hot cup of tea. I mean, think about it. When it comes to your friends, who really can pick better you or the one who made you? When it comes to the person you will trust your life in marriage with, who can truly give you that person that you really need? You or him? How about the direction where you're going to go in life? Where, what you're going to do, your career? I mean, are you just going to trust your five senses or are you going to put it in the Savior who's created it all? See, have you fallen to the deception because of your senses? Or are you trusting in your Savior? And leaning on Him to make your path straight. Lastly, many people will become stuck in slavery because of deception. But the Israelites, in verse 18, did not attack the Gibeonites or them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. See, their hands were bound like slaves. They'd been tricked. And now they could not attack them. They had, they had to follow the oath that they'd given. So here are the Israelites, a slave to their word. You know, it's easy today, by the way, to get stuck in slavery. I mean, let's just put it this way. The Israelites were tempted in, with the double mileage points and didn't read the fine print of the 29.999% interest rate and they were slave to debt. They were enticed by the brochure and the webpage which looked so good and they signed the contract online without even looking at person you know, there, but when they got there, they smelled the filth and saw how awful it was and had to stay the week at this run-down, rat-infested, cockroach-ridden hotel. 
They listened to their friends who said it was so fun and totally not that bad. Just trust me. So they partied a little more and did those things they never said they would do when they were young and now they were slaves. See, maybe they were tempted in by the charm and wit of the other person who seemed so great at the time and gave their body to them and everything in between and their whole life and the sad fact is now they feel stuck in a relationship with a person they thought they knew and honestly don't know anymore. I guess my my question is, where where have you been fooled? Where, Where have you waded too deep into the mud of deception even though you were promised clear waters? You know, maybe it was because of safety. Maybe it was because of senses. But either way, you're a slave now. See, the, the, the sad fact is, we're born into slavery. I, what Joshua says here, I mean, look at the Gibeonites. Because the same thing happens to them. I mean, the Israelites were a slave to their promise. Well, the Gibeonites are now a slave to them. You are now under a curse, Joshua says. We're not going to kill you, but just to let you know, you're never, ever going to be released from your contract with us. You want to serve your servants? You came to us and said, we will serve you, whatever you say, let's make a treaty. Well, let me tell you, you are going to serve us. And you and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-grandkids, and you're going to cut wood and bring water from here on out. See, they went from trying to save their lives to forever being stuck in slavery. They couldn't even fight it either because the sad truth is they did it to themselves. They willingly entered into slavery. I love this story of the famous English art critic, Duyen. He he took his young daughter to an outing to visit the ocean. He went out into the water and tried to convince his daughter to join him in the frigid ocean water. You know, you ever been there? About my kids, you know, some of them would run in, but others you'd have to really coax them. Come on, it's not going to kill you, I swear. It's not that cold. And you're sitting there freezing, right? So here's he's trying to get his daughter in there. She had been in the ocean before and she knew how cold it was. She had felt the coldness before and had felt its bite. She would have had none of it this time. But her father, not giving in, got out of the water, made a small fire on the beach, and proceeded to heat up a small tea kettle of boiling water. He then took the boiling water to the ocean and poured it in and said, come on, it's warm now. His young daughter perked up and with her senses convinced, he joined her father in the ocean. Let me just say, you have a father, father of lies in this world. And he sold us a bill of goods. He's heated a lot of tea kettles in front of you. And convinced you to come into the cold, frigid water. And maybe you're like me. You've been there, done that, you even got the t shirt. That's the slavery of sin. You see, we've all been deceived. We are all slaves under this curse. The Gibeonites get this curse physically, we've gotten the curse. The only difference between, let me just say this, the only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that a Christian admits that they've fallen for the teapot trick. That's it. A Christian admits, like, like I've gone into the ocean. I've been deceived. I've been, I've been screwed up. He's gotten me. I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. But it doesn't end there because the, 
See, the Christian knows the truth that fearless living means we recognize our freedom in Christ who saved us from the curse of sin and death. You see, that's the only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. They're not better. Oh, Christians aren't better than non-Christians. I hate that. I, sometimes I sit with people and they go, you know, they, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, like, they, they, like all of a sudden I'm better than them or something. And then they find I'm a pastor and then they're like, oh, and they're freaked out. And I get this all the time. Oh, I think I cussed earlier. I'm sorry about that. As if like my ears are more tender than the other person next to me. You know, it's like, come on, I'm, th- I'm just like you. I just know I've been deceived. I just know that I'm a slave to the, to the father of lies. I've fallen for it over and over again. But the difference is, I, I get it and I, I now say I don't want that anymore. I want freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ who was cursed for me took my curse. I love Galatians chapter 3. If you guys are looking for, for verses to memorize, this is, this is one of the best. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us. He saved us. He set us free. That idea of redemption is this idea of a slave on the slaving block. And, and, and the person stands up and says, says I will pay $1,000 for that person. Takes them off the slaving block. Takes the chains off. Says, you're no longer a slave. I've bought you. I've redeemed you. That's the idea of that word in the Greek. It's so beautiful. It's like Jesus says, you were a slave to the father of lies. You were a slave to the, to, the, to the deception. I mean, you fell for it hook, line, and sinker. You thought that that stuff would help you. You thought that those, that relationship would save you. You thought that the, that, these, that the new car, the success, or whatever it is, you fell for it all hook, line, and sinker, and you've been a slave on the block. But I'm going to buy you by sending my son, my one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and buy you off that slavery block to give you freedom real freedom sorry I got a little on a soapbox there but I love it Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us he not only takes us off and then he puts himself on the slavery block for it is written cursed is everyone who hung on a pole or a tree see he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The simplest fact is, Christians just recognize the freedom in Christ and take it and say, please, I need you, Jesus, because you are a curse for me. I mean, if this doesn't lead us to thankfulness and worship, what else does? I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, any encouragement from being united with Christ, any encouragement, if any comfort from his love, I mean, he beseeches Christians and says, if you've got this, because you should, because we're free. Is this a truth in your life? Or are you stuck in the icy waters of self-deception still? See, now's the time to let go of those things that have deceived you for so long. Amen? Because there's only so many promises in the world that are going to break. And you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. Because isn't that true? I mean, I was there. I was a drug addict for a while. Maybe, maybe this, this ganja will be better than the last ganja. Oh man, this acid is so much better than the last acid. I'm just being real, people, because that's the truth. Oh, but this bar, they give you the best. I mean, the drinks are the strongest. Oh, this relationship. 
This relationship will truly make me happy. This book, once I read it, will truly give me the the, the idea of how I'm supposed to live my life. And I'll follow it and I'll be happy. Now this job... See, when are we going to stop looking at the creation and look up to the Creator? When are we going to stop hoping for for the little bit of providence here when we can look up to the provider? You see, this is what Christ set us free for. And as as Paul says in the book of Galatians, if you're free, you're free indeed. Indeed you're free. So my plea to you, my, my hope, my challenge, is I really want you to look at your own life. When we take this, we, you know, the, the worship team's going to come up. In fact, if you guys want to start coming up here now, I'm done. I don't need to keep talking. This is the time you need to go before the Lord. You know? Because God is here. God is real. God is alive. God is active. And He wants to say something to you. Are you listening? You know, He wants to free you from the enemy. He wants to give you Himself and His plan. Now is the time to seek the Lord. Trust in Him with all your heart. And He will make your path straight. He sent His Son so that you might live the fearless life. My hope is that you, you take hold of that. There's nothing, else. There's nothing else. That's it. Let's go before Him right now. Lord, I, I can't wait to worship. <laughs> because I'm so encouraged by the fact that you've taken me, a sinner... And I know I'm a sinner. Because nobody knows like me in my own head how twisted and weird I am. (laughs) But you've taken me and you've set my feet in high places. You are the lifter of my head. You have made me more than a conqueror. You have taken this cracked pot and filled it with your glory. (laughs) Lord, there's so many aspects your grace that have infiltrated my life I thank you so Lord my my hope and my prayer is that my brothers and sisters here would realize too how much you want to just infiltrate their life with goodness with grace, with love, with mercy with patience, with kindness and all the things you are because everything good comes from above the father of lights And so, Lord, in the darkness that we've bought into, in the deception that we've bought into from the Father of lies, may you break through and show us where we need you in our life today, in our life this week. I mean, maybe there's someone here that doesn't know you, that has never said, Lord Jesus, I... Those words have never even crossed my mouth. Lord Jesus, person who wants to actually, the God of the universe who wants to direct me, I want you to direct me fallen for the lies. I've been accursed with sin and I want you to free me. I've stood on the stumbling, the the slavery block and I need you to redeem me. Lord, my prayer is if there's someone there here today, they would do that. But secondly, Lord, if there's people that have walked with you and have said, "I've, I've followed you, but you know what? I've fallen also for the deception around me and I've bought into the lies. Every single one of us, no matter what journey we're on, we're on the journey of life which is full of deception and lies. So Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now and I pray for redemption. I pray for peace. And God, we grow in faith together. That's why you've brought us together. The church is not the building. The church is the people. 
And so, Lord, I just pray as my brothers and sisters that we stick around here today. And it's not just one person, but two or three putting their arms on those that are in need and saying, Lord, be with you. And through our hands, through our mouth, through our ears, you use us in such a way that you are seen, you are felt, you are heard. Because you are alive and active and moving through us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We want to see that in the community, at the mission today. So Lord, I just pray for my my brothers and my sisters. May they seek.